If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. We are in the fifth and final week of our series called Emblazon the Fiery Faith of Elijah. And as we kicked off the series four weeks ago, we talked about Elijah left this incredible legacy and impact. He lived over 2,800 years ago, and yet we're still talking about him today. And as we boil down why Elijah left this incredible impact, we said it came down to he lived this life of prayerful obedience. He simply listened to the voice of God in his life and then he put into practice what he discovered in prayer. And we said we can do that too. We can learn to listen more closely to the voice of our Heavenly Father and put to practice what we discover in prayer. And Elijah's given us so many examples over the last few weeks. We talked about in the, in the first week how out of prayerful obedience, he went and confronted uh, Ahab, King Ahab, who was leading the people astray. And he told Ahab it would not rain again um, until he said so. And then in the second week, we talked about his prayerful obedience of God, and he found God's provision. Out of prayerful obedience, God provided for Elijah in these incredible, miraculous ways. First at the Wadi Cherith, and then uh, he's sent to Zarephath, where he provides not, God provides not only for Elijah, but for the widow and her son. Out of prayerful obedience, Elijah goes and he challenges the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and he wins this incredible victory, calling down fire from heaven. And then out of prayerful obedience, he prays seven times, seven times that God would send the rain to the, to the a nation that desperately needed it and God send the rain. But then last week, we talked about how Elijah lost his rhythm. That rather than listening to the voice of his heavenly father, who loved him, he began listening to the voice of his enemy who hated him. And in listening to the wrong voice, he was driven to this place of despair and depression and loneliness. And we can get there too if we're listening to the wrong voices. But out of mercy, God came to Elijah and he pointed him in the right direction. He pointed him to some connections and some relationships that would relieve him of his loneliness. And we're big on that too, that like Elijah, at, at times we can feel alone in our responsibilities or alone in our faith, but this is why we're so big on small groups here at Nativity. You, need, you can have some relationships that remind you you're not alone in your faith and you're not alone in your responsibilities. So as we wrap up today, uh, we are going to be looking at the end of Elijah's life, his, his last day on earth. And in this world, again, all things come to an end. As those great theologians, Guns and Roses, saying, nothing lasts forever, even cold November rain. Sorry, couldn't help give another Guns and Roses November rain shout out. If you don't know what that's about, check out last week's message. Uh, but the, the reality is, though, that nothing does last forever on this earth. There's going to be an end. There's going to be a last day for everything we do. And Elijah can teach us how to end well and how we approach that last day because there is going to be a last day for you in your high school. There's going to be a last day for you in college. There's going to be a last day living in your parents' home. And then you'll come back. <laughs> and then there'll be a real last day. There'll be a last day for you in your, your current workplace. There'll be a last day for you in your career. There'll be a last day for you 
on this earth. And so in light of that, how do we live our lives well and and, and then how do we end well? We're going to look at Elijah and look at one key way in which he ends his life well. Again, out of prayerful obedience. So we're told, this is in 2 Kings now. And it came about when the Lord was about to be taken up, taken up, take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. All right, so this is about eight years later after where we left off Elijah last week in the story. And so if you remember, God had told him to anoint uh, Elisha to be, to succeed him as prophet. And Elisha, by the way, is a man. I was told to make sure I clarify that. Um, so he's going to anoint Elisha uh, to take over for him. He's, he's, he's developed this relationship with Elisha. And now we find out that Elijah is going to be taken up in a whirlwind to heaven. Scripture doesn't tell us how Elijah know that, knew that, but he, he did. And for those of you who aren't church people or not Christian, you might think, well, that's, you know, I'm not sure I can believe in such a miraculous event. And, and I understand that. Um, and that you don't think you even need to believe to get something out of this message. But, you know, just as a Christ follower, I believe God, you know, Jesus rose from the dead. And if Jesus can rise from the dead, if God can rise his son from the dead, then he can take up Elijah in a whirlwind to heaven. So that's just how I reconcile it. But moving on in the story. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he went down to Bethel. So Elijah says to Elisha, I'm going to Bethel. I'm going to go there. You can just stay here. And Elisha says, Nope, I'm going with you. I'm going to Bethel. And Bethel means house of prayer or house of God. So they go to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel, who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, yes, I know. Be still. All right, so this is kind of cool. I mean, if you remember last week in Elijah's story, at at one moment he felt completely alone, as if there was no one else that cared about God or loved God in the whole nation of Israel. And now there are these sons of the prophets. In other words, there's a community of people who are listening to God and sharing what they discover you know, in listening to God with the world and, and, sharing, and sharing what they hear about God. So there's, now there's a whole community of prophets, and Elijah thought he was all alone. And so Elijah is going there, and when he's there, this group of people, they, they say to Elisha, hey, do you know your master, your mentor? He's going up to heaven today. Again, Scripture doesn't tell us how they knew that. But Elisha says, yeah, I know. Be quiet or be still. In other words, I know that, but don't worry about that. Listen to what Elijah is teaching you and telling you. So it continues. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. So now Elijah's done at at Bethel. He's like, all right, I'm going to take this journey, you know, a couple hours journey over to walk over to, to Jericho, but you just stay here, Alicia. And Alicia's like, no, nope, I'm not going to do that. I'm going with you to Jericho. And so we're told, and the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Alicia, Alicia and said, do you not know? Do you know the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, yes, I know. Be still. So same thing happens, right? And, but isn't this cool again? There's another community of prophets at Jericho, and they tell Elisha, you're, you know, Elijah's going to be taken away. And Elisha says, yeah, just listen to him. Don't worry about that. 
Then we're told, then Elijah said to him, this is to Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And as he said, as, as he, and he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. All right. So what's going on here? I mean, Elijah has tried to get rid of Elisha at Gilgal, then at Bethel, then at Jericho. Now he's leaving Jericho and going to Jordan. What's, what's going on? Well, in the Old Testament, we see this over and over again, that when a father is, is approaching the end of his life, he will leave a blessing on his children. But he would leave a special blessing on one child, the one who was especially supposed to take up his mantle, take up his authority and advance it to the next generation. And Elisha wants this blessing from Elijah. He wants this very special blessing. Elijah keeps trying to ditch Elisha, not because he's against him, but he's testing him. He's testing Elisha to see, will he really stay committed to him at the end? So by the time he gets to Jericho, he says, all right, I'm going down to the Jordan River. So Elijah and Elisha, they start walking over to the river, but it's not just those two. The scripture tells us that a community of fifth, out of that community, 50 prophets follow Elijah and Elisha. They want to see what's going to happen, what is, what's going to happen at the end of Elijah's life. So they walk down towards the river. Then Elijah took his coat and rolled it up and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and the other till the two of them could go on dry ground. So again, it's, this kind of is reminiscent if you think about the Red Sea, when Moses parts the Red Sea. Um, Elijah takes his mantle or his coat, which is a symbol of his authority. He rolls it up. He strikes the ground and the water parts. And the two of them walk alone together. So there are Elijah and Elisha. Now they're separated from the rest of this group of the prophets, and it's just those two. And now that it's just Elijah and Elisha, Elijah says to, went, says to him, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha said. So Elijah said, all right, you stuck with me, Elisha, to the very end. Before I leave this earth, what can I do for you? Elisha says, I want a double portion of your spirit. In other words, Elijah, I want to do double what you have done. Elijah, have you done all these miraculous things for God? Elijah, you've had this incredible impact, but I want a double portion of that. I want to take that even further. I want to double what you have accomplished. Elisha replied, you have asked a difficult thing. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. Elijah says, okay, you want a double portion of my spirit? You want to have double the impact that I have had? I'm okay with that. I'll give it to you. But it's not mine to grant. It's God to grant. Somebody ask you, for those of you who are of the older generation, and I'll allow you to decide that for yourself. But if you're in the older generation, and I consider myself now in the older generation, I'm definitely in the second half of my career. But let me ask you this question. Are you okay with the next generation inheriting a double portion of your spirit? 
Are you okay with the people who take over what your responsibilities in life? Are you okay with them you know, doubling the impact you have had? Are you okay with them you know, doubling the size of the company or doubling the success in some way or doubling the impact of the organization? Are you okay with them inheriting a double portion of your spirit? You know, when I was in, in a teenager, I, I remember thinking I, I wanted to be great. I wanted to make an incredible impact on the world, but I, I wanted to do it. I didn't want to raise up kids that did it. I didn't want to raise up the next generation that did it. I wanted to have that impact. But now as I move along, I think maybe the, I still have some things to accomplish, but maybe the greatest impact I can have is by influencing the next generation by passing on to them what we have learned. And maybe, again, that, that this church, that we've had some impact on our community, we've had some impact on the world, we've had some impact on, the, uh, on other churches, but maybe I'm praying that we have a double portion given to the next generation. They double or triple or quadruple our impact. For those of you who are younger generation, again, I'll let you decide that for yourself. Are you like Alicia? Are you praying boldly, saying, God, would you use me? God, would you use me in some powerful ways? God, I want to I double portion of the generation spirit ahead of us. I want to accomplish incredible things for you. I, God, I want to see revival in our generation. I want this generation to know of, that there's a God that loves them and a, and a Savior who died for them. Are you asking boldly to do great things for God in your life? Are you praying for a double portion of the, gener- of the spirit of the generation ahead of you? Alicia prays for this bold prayer for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And then we're told, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. So again, this fantastic, miraculous event. You can you know, try to imagine it in your own mind what it would have looked like. A chariot of fire. Elijah's taken up in a whirlwind, and now it's just Elisha. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And then Elisha saw him no more. But remember what Elijah said. If you see me taken up, you will have inherited a double portion of my spirit. You would have gotten your wish and your desire. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah, and he went back, and he stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from him, and he struck the water with it. So again, that cloak is a representation of uh, Elijah's authority. It's his mantle. He, he, He takes it, and he strikes the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over it. So this is a sign that Elisha is now picking up the mantle of Elijah, and he has the authority of Elijah and the power of Elijah, and the Spirit of God is upon him because he's able to do what Elijah could do by striking the water and it parting and walking on dry ground. And so he, he walks over, and I think that this was like a movie scene at the end of a movie that, you know, you would see Alicia kind of walking slowly and triumphantly. 
And there would be that group of, of, 50, of 50 prophets who didn't know what was going on, who couldn't see what had happened. They'd be looking over intently, and now they would see Elisha kind of walking purposefully and triumphantly, and their eyes would get really big, and their mouths would be agape, and it'd just be a cool closing scene of a movie, and it would set up for a great sequel. Maybe we'll do a sequel next summer, emblazon the fiery faith of Elisha. So as we wrap up Elijah's life, uh, again, we, we see this prayerful obedience led him to invest in the next generation. I mean, this is how he spent the end of his days. He, he passed on this mantle to uh, Elijah, passed on this mantle to Elisha. And then, again, we see him with these community of prophets, these community of people who were doing what he had done, how he spent his last moments investing his wisdom and time and energy in their lives. So I, I, today I just want to share four thoughts on how we can be like Elijah investing in the next generation. Share them pretty quickly. But number one is that if you're, again, of the older generation, you can decide that for yourself. It means we need to be for the next generation. I mean, it can get very easy for people in the older generation to start criticizing the generations coming up behind them. It, it, it just happens. I remember in high school having a conversation um, with my, my, my friend's mother, um, friend Lou, my best friend in high school, and I would be over at his house all the time. So I developed a pretty good relationship with his stepdad and especially with his mom, and we'd have conversations at time. And I remember one conversation, it was kind of playful, but a little bit got, you know, a little, little bit heated when she, she said, we were talking about generations, and she said, your generation's causing all the problems in the world. I said, my generation, your generation caused all the problems in the world. We're going to fix your pro the problems you caused. And in retrospect, I was thinking about that. And again, it was playful enough. But I should have said, like, how can we be the cause of all the problems in the world? We just got here. Right? We, we don't have any power. We don't have any authority. And so uh, when it comes to the younger generation and blaming them for being irresponsible, well, who's responsible for teaching them responsibility? And uh, we are. And so I think we just have to be for that generation and, and you know, not be criticizing. And, and even I think this can be for those of you who are in high school or college, especially if you're a junior or senior, I, I've seen it sometimes. You can start you know, blaming the kids, the freshmen and sophomores. No, be for them. So that's number one. Uh, number two, I'd be remiss to not just mention that a great way to invest in the next generation is right here at Nativity. That if you're concerned about the next generation, um, you can serve here. And, um, I, you know, the, the, the best way to love any person is to introduce them to a, a relationship with Jesus Christ, to introduce them to their Savior, or help them develop the relationship with Jesus, and to know that their Heavenly Father has a plan for them, and the Spirit lives within them. So it's a great opportunity to do that here at Nativity. And you don't have to, you, you can work directly with, with middle school students, high school students, children, or you can help support behind the scenes. And to do that, just text the word NEXTGEN to 88877. Text NEXTGEN to 88877. And again, we can help you or if you just want some information on that. And um, middle school students, high school students, college students, we love having your help. I mean, because again, people... Younger, younger generations don't want to listen to me as much, but they'll, they love listening to people that are just a little bit ahead of them. So we really can use you in these pro in programs. You can influence the, neg the, the kids, the students coming right behind you. So we'd love to have your support in that. 
Third, who is your Alicia? Who is the one person that you can share your faith and the impact you're having and the responsibilities in life? That there's someone behind you that would want to learn from you how you combine your faith in Christ and how you live that out and then your success in this world, that you're able to do some things that other people can't do. There is someone in your life that would love to learn from you and that you can influence for God's glory. Who's your one Alicia? And would you be committed to just figuring that out? Now, I, I gotta be honest, you know, I, I'm, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know who my Alicia is. I've been trying to think about what is it that I really, what's the thing I do here at church that really adds value to our staff? And what's the one thing I can do that I should be passing on? Who's that one person? I don't know. So if you're in that situation, you don't know who your Alicia is, begin just praying this week. Pray tomorrow morning when you have your coffee, your quiet time. God, show me the Alicia you have for me in my life. And finally, number four, who's your Elijah? For those of you, especially in the younger generation, who is that person you look to? Again, they're a person of great faith. You can see that they're committed to Christ. They're a person of integrity. And, you, and yet they've been, very, and they've, and, and they've been very successful in what they're doing. They've been very successful in business or whatever other roles and responsibilities they play. And you would love to learn from them. Be willing to reach out. They'd be honored if you say, hey, can I just get together with you for an hour to, to learn from you and what you are doing? I want to learn how you combine, again, a faith in Christ with the success you have uh, in life. So as we wrap up, the series on Elijah. Again, we learn prayerful obedience from beginning to the end of his story. In prayerful obedience, he saw the work that God had for him to do in this life. He saw his purpose. Out of prayerful obedience, he saw God provide for him in time after time. Out of prayerful obedience, he stepped up to the challenges of life. Out of prayerful obedience, he eventually learned that you know, he wasn't all alone. He wasn't all on his own, that, he, that God had somebody for him. He had relationships for him. And out of prayerful obedience, he passed the baton to the next generation. Let us pray we can learn from his legacy and that we too can leave a legacy like Elijah, who was just like us. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for those, this series. We thank you for the life of Elijah and all that he teaches us about listening to your voice and putting to practice what we discover in prayer. And so, God, we do pray that we would continue to grow that in that. We continue to hear from you and put into practice what we discover in those moments of you, that we would tune into your voice, Father. We would tune into your voice. And God, we do pray that you would give us the wisdom to do with this message, that we would pass the baton to the next generation, that generations and generations and generations would know your faithfulness and your goodness. And we make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen.